0: Hello listeners and welcome to episode two of the Let's Go Mental podcast. On this podcast I'm talking to my friend Christian Solomino, actor, filmmaker, director and generally a good mate as well. I talk about childhood, the things we've experienced, um, what it means to be an adult and a man and the expectations we have it upon us. But also we'll be talking a little bit about his film. So, settle in, we need to enjoy um good chat so chris thank you so much for being on the second podcast you and i have known each other for a while and we've kind of reconnected
1: it's quite a while ago now though you know (laughs) it's been a while even even our reconnection was quite a while ago time just goes so quick doesn't it actually
0: thinking about it it does it goes of yeah it's gone amazingly quick it doesn't feel as if um it's uh you know it's gone, gone by that long actually so yeah. So, how do we know each other? So I know you from school and more recently. Yeah.
1: So we were at secondary school together. Yeah. and Chelsea, class of '91.
0: Yep, that's us. <laughs> yeah, and it was actually quite a talented year, which is uh, quite amazing. Because of course you're a very talented, illustrious guy. Um, you've.
1: Oh. An, can't yeah. say so. Well, it,
0: but it's true, isn't it? Let's face it.
1: <laughs> uh, it's interesting, though, isn't it? I've thought about that because our year, I mean, our exam results were atrocious. I mean, I don't think <laughs> there was a single A in English.
0: Uh, period. Yeah, no, there wasn't. I, you're absolutely right. I think our year academically, well, in terms of those kind of numbers which make up a league table, we weren't up there.
1: <laughs> our year no, no. There. I heard that we had the lowest exam results in the whole country oh really and that, wouldn't, that wouldn't surprise me i mean to not get one single a in your native tongue
0: <laughs> well yeah, yeah. <laughs> try, 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 try and get a freebie when it's in your own native language uh you know your mother tongue uh I, one of our head of year said by the way you speak a mother tongue i go what well, i do yeah so do you want another gcse what is that what 10 and he goes yeah i mean what, what language you speak well speak gujarati he goes well look do you want to go for it, it well, what do you mean? Go like actually go for the GCSE? I thought, well, oh, okay, sounds like a freebie to me. Um, unbeknownst to me, that it probably wasn't such a good idea thinking about it in like You kind
1: of did that, man. Did I you passed. pass?
0: Well, I passed, but I don't think on the language, the written side, I did particularly well. I literally carried myself to get that pass just on the oral or the verbal, and uh,
1: oh, that's something that's amazing. Well, I've got 10 years. <laughs> Oh, wow. That's incredible, man. That is amazing. Yeah. I've got three passes, and most of them are X's. <laughs> um, or use uh, No, X's, right, because I think the X's is when you just don't have enough coursework to qualify. Really? For the exam at all, yeah. I didn't know I that. I think that's right. That's interesting. Yeah, so I just I just didn't complete enough coursework, so I mean, imagine really, I was not, um, I had no work ethic at school.
0: Well,
1: Um okay. So... Yeah. Yeah, I found I found things... I was going to say, I didn't find things academically difficult, or maybe I did, I can't quite explain it. Right. But um, how about you? How did you get on with it all?
0: School was interesting. I think I was one of the geeky nerdy types when I really sort of um, kind of tried to do my best, I think, fundamentally. Got involved, done the work. Um, trying to have some fun while you can, and then uh, you, you leave and you go home.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah.
0: And and then you go into what if you do when you go home, really. Um but uh, I think yeah. there
1: were it was interesting though, because there were a bunch of us, you know, you're saying that you didn't do that well academically, but you were clearly like fantastically clever wow. and <laughs> and and you were quite geeky, you know, and you were really into things and all the rest of it. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, um, yeah. so I think in another in another environment, you know, you clearly would have like been acing everything. But it's interesting that. There were a bunch of us like that, I think. You know, like I was very interested in things and geeky myself in lots of ways. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, just completely fell through the cracks. Just totally and utterly fell through the cracks. Yeah, that's um, an odd
0: one, isn't it? Because we had a lot of really talented, smart kids. At
1: Inc- yeah, and that's, it, that's what I was going to say. And then a lot of them, a lot of people were like that. But a lot of people have gone on to do quite well. Yeah. Despite all that, which is really interesting, isn't it?
0: There isn't there. So there you go, kids academia is not everything it's all about application in terms of what you want to do so if there's any lessons that come out of this you don't have to worry about the results so much Um, you'll still make it which is true you still will make it Um, it's a a bit of it's also I think you need a bit of luck and being in the right place at the right time and all that kind of stuff as well I think to some extent Um, but that's but that's yeah I mean that's you can make your own luck can't you and all that kind of good stuff um, you went on to become an actor. Um, I think Kalim, who's a who's a writer for the Independent, and well, was an independent writer. Yeah, Kal's
1: like one of the most eminent film journalists in the yeah. country.
0: Yeah, so he's done particularly well. Jesse as well. So you know, yeah, film director, so.
1: film director as well. L- lots of people have done lots of uh, you know, amazing, you know, quite noteworthy things. And then on top of which, lots of people are in very senior sort of positions. And yeah. All that stuff, yeah, I think we've done all right,
0: man. Yeah, so I think, looking back at it, it it's, um got into an innocently comp which probably didn't have a very good reputation. Um, it doesn't matter. I think a lot of it is...
1: I think it matters in terms of it alters the the output, you know what I mean? It's altered... It's It it's must have had hugely profound effects on our lives.
0: And that's... Um, yeah, and that is... An, uh, I think that is an interesting one, because... Now this this does bring us on the topic about pressure, and and acceptance and belonging and all those kind of things, which are obviously big mental health kind of signposts. So I know from my my point of view, there was uh, a lot of pressure put on me. I think not not explicitly as such because it wasn't said, but it, you did feel this need to succeed uh, because it was all part of being accepted as a as a brown person within society because it's a a marker of you're on, you're on your way, kind of thing, and I think not having mm. those great numbers in terms of GCSEs mm. obviously has affected me, but it shouldn't have.
1: Well, well, I, I don't know whether it should or it shouldn't. I'm not, sometimes yeah. I'm not so keen on that as a sort of as a as a as a thought, you know. Yeah. Because, but, but I suppose you're right. I'm sure it shouldn't. But I mean. I think there's, a, there's, I think it's discrepancies that are problematic, aren't they? And so, like, for us, there we are being really geeky, <laughs> but then not getting good grades. So, you you know, it's like, it's a discrepancy, isn't it? If we weren't yeah. geeky and we didn't get good grades, maybe it wouldn't. A... Nah, but if you have those expectations and then you don't meet them, I guess yeah. that's difficult, isn't it? It is, isn't it? That... You know, so, yeah, and that's kind of a little bit mysterious. Like, you know, how, how does that happen that you sort of didn't? Uh... But anyway, that's... That's a, I guess that's that is a, another question.
0: That's a, that's a. I think that's a whole new podcast in itself there, <laughs> which I'm funny. I think yeah, be coming up.
1: Um, you, you know that 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 pathway of one's life and um, the op- options that are open to you. You know, it does. Of course, it, it sort of matters, doesn't it? Because if you kind of yeah. like can't go to uni or, you know, like pursue other things because you didn't get your grades. In in that case, it matters, I suppose. Yeah, it does. And also, yeah. that overall feeling of, like, whether or not you're actually equipped for life beyond school. Yeah,
0: that's, uh, that's that, actually
1: that's really a really interesting big thing. point.
0: And, yeah, an and
1: interesting. Gr- grades are only part of that, right? And, and I think that high school equipped us, well, for me, I felt quite well equipped in some ways from school um, yeah. because it was such a... I felt like it was a really good group of people by and large, and a very diverse group of people, and um, you know, like all different kinds of people from all different kinds of backgrounds. And I think that was, um, yeah, that was a good sort of starting jumping off point in that sense. And because we were so slack, I think we were very social, yes, by and large.
0: I think so, 100%. I mean, there wasn't any, I mean, we had our tribes as you do when you're at school, but. They didn't. They didn't seem a sense of kind of. I mean, you'd use your usual school, school kind of school place angst, wouldn't you? Like you know, a bit of this and a bit of rubbing and a bit of elbows out and all that, and as you would in any school. Um, yeah. But I think one thing you kind of hit on, which we should really celebrate, is the fact that there was this en- enormous diverse group of people from so many different backgrounds um, mm. in this amazing melting pot of a school. And I don't think the school as such. Um, I think it was the 80s, it was a different era, wasn't it? It wasn't, I think, the things that we know now about how we support and look after kids who are, who are trying to get through school, which who may or may not have issues, but, you know, the way in which they're supported now, I think there's been, you know, it's moved leaps and bounds. But I don't feel as if it was particularly unsupportive, but then it depends on which side of the fence you were, you know, we either kind of... Get your head down, get on with the work, and therefore you were seen as okay. You're one of the okay ones, but if you were like you know, or if you were messing around a lot, maybe you, you were just dismissed and not invested in, which I think was probably wrong as well. Because
1: also, we we came at the end of that kind of liberal schooling experiment, didn't we? So we were <laughs> yeah. one of the last classes where they didn't teach grammar, they didn't yeah. didn't wear uniforms, and all that stuff. Definitely. it was like I think two years below us where that flipped again. So, yes, I think we were. I think we were sort of. I think we were just dropped basically as a year because, you know. Also, do you remember we didn't have like. Um, but, but I do think, as I say, like I think that the social education of it was great, and you know I got so much out of that personally. And you know, essentially, eventually it took ages because the first three years I was so miserable. Um, but that, I don't think that was because of school. I was just really depressed. But like, I but school didn't fix it. But. By the time I was 14, school actually did kind of fix it. Right. You know, like the the friendships. Yeah. And the sense of, you know, coming into yourself and all the rest of it and the fun and the adventures and all the rest of it. That yeah. was enough. Yeah. That was enough to sort of flip me into um, like a new version of myself that was was much, much happier.
0: That's interesting. That was That's
1: probably, interesting. Yeah, oh, yeah. I'd say 14 to sort of 16 is probably one of the happiest periods of my life.
0: Wow. And that's something to look back on because I think we've got this idea, haven't we? We can look back at that. We'll we'll hold that thought, as they say, on most um, TV shows and game shows. will I will. Hold that thought. We'll come back to that. But it's interesting how the impact of our younger years does affect us in Mm. in our older years, really.
1: It's fascinating, isn't
0: it? And do you think, and this is an interesting topic, really, that some of those things that we experienced, whether you want to call it trauma or whether you want to call it an experience or whether you want to call it Uh, I don't know uh, something that just happened to you Um, do you think that these things we carry forward into our adult life and and clearly I think for me I know there's there's certain things that's happened to me in the past where I have recalled them I know you and I have talked about this where um, it's kind of as a consequence I blank everything out as because of that one event but do you think Mm. there is stuff that you feel that in your adult life that you've Carried over, or do you feel
1: you've let there's there's so much stuff? There's there's, there's so much stuff, and like um, you know, so much of my life is about so much of my life is about trying to get the machine working, get the broken bits working. Because for me. I think this is probably similar for you as well. Again, there's discrepancies. There's like some parts of me that were that are really high functioning. Yeah. And then some parts of me that are really low functioning. Yeah. And that's problematic because if some of the car could if all of the if all of the the car could only go at thirty, it would be all right. But because some of the car can go at one hundred and fifty and some of the car can go at twenty. Yeah. It 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 you get yourself in trouble I think. Or I get myself in trouble and I sort of you know, sometimes um, yeah, so so my art life has been running into the issues that that throws yeah, up. Yeah. And, you know, like, trying to address it, eventually starting to notice what some of those things are. Because, you know, you don't actually know. You can't, like, press a button and get, like, a readout of, like, the stuff that you should know that you don't know or skills you should have you don't have or all that stuff. Yeah, You have to, you know, you have to do a lot of know i guess you have to do a lot of introspection or you you, or or i think probably the best way to do it in a sense is to be put in situations where you're sort of pressure tested but not to destruction
0: yeah
1: because if you're in ways if you're in a sort of if you're in a good i can imagine environments in which the function of the environment the function that you have to perform in the environment would make you address those things you know what I mean it would make them come up but you would yeah. notice where you were disorganized you would notice where your thinking was unclear you might yeah. notice Do you see what I mean like all yeah. of those things would just be need to be addressed in order for you to perform that function and so you just you would sort of fix it for that and then hopefully go away and it's fixed
0: you know, as men we tend to be quite introspective but we don't tend to be outwardly
1: Community. well you think men generally you think men generally are introspective
0: i think we are but we don't tend to talk about our feelings oh at least I, I think that's well of course that's changing now it's 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 a different world isn't it but it's
1: interesting god i feel like so many people barely have a inward thought at all yeah <laughs> really well yeah kind of i mean like i talk to a lot of people just like they don't they seem so they just don't seem reflective at all Right, or if they are maybe they're hiding it I don't know but you know I don't see like evidence of it
0: like well then that that's yeah so if if we so I you know like you and I we're fairly open people we were able to talk about our feelings and we talked to each other about our experience and stuff and I think we're fairly different to probably most most guys we know of our generation but it does bring it does bring that into into uh, it brings up the question of why are we like that why what is it about? Not being able to be to talk about our feelings, and why is it that we want to not show any emotion, and why is it that we do clam up even when we're under incredible distress? I mean, what do you think it could be though? Because what do, what do you think well, are the things I, I, that drive people to well, men especially? Because obviously, we're going to talk about your film in a, in, in a moment because it's a very important uh, film, but you know, and these kind of matters do kind of lead to those sorts of situations that you describe in your film, but
1: um well, for one thing, I think that it's a conversation requires two people, yeah you know or, or or more, but what I'm saying is that the listener is as important as the speaker and that kind of climate that is created yeah you know th- in terms of understanding in terms of actual communication where there's a sense of you know like something going from one person into the other like that that requires a sort of um a sort of attempt it requires sort of work on both sides, I think. Do you yeah. know what I mean to sort of yeah. actually try um, and say what means something to you, even if it's so, so? a, I think there's a reluctance to be vulnerable, right? Okay. You know, there's. Yeah. A, I think there's a social um, that, that that is a taboo. I think vulnerability okay. is a taboo beyond a certain point, and maybe maybe if you dig into it, you'd probably find that there are certain places where. It's, Certain types of vulnerability are allowed, and a bunch where they're dis- where it's disallowed. Yeah. Um, and there's, again, there's probably a discrepancy there between the normal amount of vulnerability that people feel versus what you're allowed to express. But having said that, that's probably always been the case, you know. And I think people have always been expected to uh, conceal that. A lot of vulnerability to sort of be kind of professional in yeah. in public, you know what I mean, I think mean, yeah. a certain degree of like professionalism is asked of you, yeah. except and you know that's where pubs come in isn't it because that's where you're allowed to be different in pubs than you're yeah. supposed to be like in other places uh, for, for, for in England you know so um, so yeah uh, but but by and large, I think it, the, the, it's not just about. Vulnerabil- I think vulnerability is a part of it, but actually, if you look at it, everything is quite. I think it's quite narrow, like the sort of expectations of, of conformity and sort of go through somebody's day from the time you wake up. You know, like to, to okay, COVID changes it a bit, but um, but you know, imagine you're on the tube and all that. Like, you're not you're not really allowed to talk to each other. Unless you know each other, and like if you if you, I I guess I'm saying there are like rules of engagement all the time. Actually, almost all the time. And 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 do those rules of engagement actually allow for honesty or open communication about more difficult things? I don't know if they do. I don't know when you're allowed to do it. You know, like I mean, of course one is. You know, but like. Uh, but I think those forces sort of count against it. You know what I mean? They, 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 all of that stuff is making it harder. The, the unwillingness to be vulnerable or appear vulnerable is making it harder.
0: It's the the way in which we are taught, and that could go back to our childhood again, where we're not maybe taught to be able to express our feelings in the right way and, and be vulnerable. I think there's a interesting fi- uh, thing by Brené Brown, a wonderful Texan uh, psychologist who's this big ball of energy, but she does talk about vulnerability and being uh, the power of vulnerability by being open and honest with yourself and true to your, you know, true in terms of your feelings and showing those feelings. That that is actually a good thing because it allows others to understand you better and you to understand yourself better, and therefore it does open up communication. It does open up uh, or reduce maybe miscommunication. Now I'm that's my interpretation of it, but. I think the other side of it is, you know, you mentioned about kind of not being able to be vulnerable, but what about society's constructs about traditional roles? Do you think those are still Mm. there? Do you think that the male is still very much seen as the kind of hunter-gatherer and therefore the one to look up to?
1: People's expectations on us can be, can lift us, you know, like people expecting you to be strong can help you be strong.
0: Fabulous that you made a film. Uh, it's an important film, of course, and the film's called, you know, I Made This For You, and it deals with a, a difficult subject, um, of of course, male suicide. And, and in this instance, the film is about preventing male suicide. Why, why, what What was the driver behind making the film? Uh, and, you know, what, what is it you're hoping that the film does for lots of men out there, I guess, who are maybe not feeling so great and are contemplating something? Or people around them who... Um, I'm not quite sure what to do when they uh, they have someone in their lives who's who's feeling down and they may have shut themselves off, so
1: yeah well, I guess you know whenever you make a big like a long form thing you know like it takes there's always a bunch of reasons i think why why you make it and and a bunch of ideas yeah that have to kind of come together to be and then they kind of join and then eventually when you've got enough ideas and enough reasons you' then got something that's big enough to be a feature film and where really, there's enough drive in you to get it done. Yeah. Know, it takes a lot on both of those things. Yeah. So some of the things, is, you know, like I was, that um, I've made a bunch of films about mental health and suicide. Like I'm, yeah. it's a, I guess, a preoccupation of mine because my dad took his own life. So mm. yeah. it's, um, it's in almost all of my films and I'm always exploring that territory and re-exploring it, I'm definitely... Um, not, I've had quite a bumpy ride in my own psychology over the years, yeah. and you know, um, as I said, you know, that introspection for me it always comes back to that same thing of trying to work it out. You know, like, and and this is no exception. This is me trying to work it out. You know, this yeah. is, but also, you know, ultimately trying to make something that I want to see. I think yeah. which is always a good reason to make a film when there's stuff that you kind of long that you wish without isn't there. And you make it yourself, like. I think that's a good thing. And partly, you know, I wanted to make... So also, the bunch of the other films that I've made in that territory have been quite bleak. Right. And I think a lot of them tend to be, understandably so. And because most films about suicide deal with the aftermath. Yeah. Or deal with the negative outcome. And I wanted to look at um, a different version of that. You know, with somebody... You know, I wanted to make a film that could potentially watched by somebody who was in a delicate high-risk state and it might help them back off of the edge that they're on
0: Yeah,
1: and I think and I was asking myself is that possible could you do that how would you do that what would it take what would it require and I kind of figured that it would take a sense of being reached a sense of being seen something about seeing work that echoes how you feel and your experiences of life yeah it is very very affirming and very powerful
0: because the film is a, a life-affirming message, isn't it? It's about, um, like you said, it's not a bleak film, although the subject matter you could argue is, is 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 bleak. But it's more about saving someone, but through the power of connection, and and it's quite poignant how you know the main character is is going through quite a tough time, and it's contemplating doing something horrible, but yeah, mm. the only way. And obviously, he's not listening to things and or seeing the signposts around him. So there's so many things that are amazing, but yet, you know, the friends and I know you're in the film and, <laughs> and Kalim's in the film, yeah. around to find that there's got to be a way to get to this guy and help him understand that life is full of riches, um, but it maybe needs to be communicated in different ways. So, you know, what was the driver behind, say, almost creating a kind of visual letter? To someone. Yeah, so,
1: so, for to... anyone who hasn't, so for anyone who yeah. hasn't seen it, the film is basically a guy who's in real trouble and has made an attempt on his own life and has yeah. cut himself off from everybody and won't talk to anyone. And his mate goes around his house and the guy won't answer the door and he won't answer the phone. And, so, and then his mate, before he leaves, he sort of slips a DVD under the door and on it it says, I made this for you, please watch it. And yeah. I made this for you is the name of the film. And eventually, other stuff happens, but eventually the guy, a bit later in the day, finds himself in a really, really difficult place and he winds up putting it on. And essentially he finds that his friend has made him a documentary about his life, interviews with all his friends and family. And, you know, he he sort of, as he watches it, he goes on this journey uh, back from his childhood through to his sort of current day, like ex-girlfriends parents, all that kind of stuff, and his sort of story plays out through their description. And he's confronted with how people see him, and it's not all positive either.
0: And that's one of the things that does stand out. It's a very raw part of the film where you're confronted with, or he's confronted with certain truths about himself which I think he's not willing to really to accept and, but when doing so in, in, in the face of something kind of, you know, quite horrible for himself, yeah. you, do, you do see some sort of oh, I didn't realise, you know, there's some sort of kind of change, isn't there, a little bit?
1: Well, you know what, I feel like we often sort of know when we have let someone down or hurt them yeah. or behave badly. And then I think you kind of get all these weird cycles. And you were asking before about what things in your childhood sort of affect you. And I think some of the things that affect you are not necessarily the obvious, like, this terrible thing happened kind of things. Like they're not just one event. I think some of them are more like the way that your programming works, like yeah. the kind of the, the habitual ways that you think, the building blocks of how you think and yeah. how you how you operate, how you imagine, all of those things I think are getting formed by your environment to a large degree and basic with you. And so one of those things I think can be a sort of some version of like that sort of cycle of shame where you do something, you sort of transgress in some way, then you feel bad about it and then you're embarrassed by it and then maybe you don't see that person anymore, you maybe distance yourself from them because you're embarrassed that you have hurt them and instead of straightening it out with them, you allow that distance to creep in and then it just gets worse and then you get embarrassed and shame, you feel shame about the distance and about being such a crappy friend and all the rest of it and then... And then and then you see what I mean. So yeah. you mean, there's these sorts of little cycles that are actually potentially really innocuous if handled differently, but, but if handled in certain ways, can become disastrous. I think
0: absolutely, and it it, it is very much about how um, I think the central message is that you know there's a response beyond on everybody to reach out to one another in in many ways. And
1: you're, able no, you're to right. I mean things. that that's got to be the most fundamental building block is the channel being open, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Like, aside from anything else, if there's no, I guess maybe it's on a sort of continuum, right? Like, at on one end of the spectrum, you don't have someone's number, maybe you don't know them yeah. because there's no access <laughs> to them, yeah. and 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 you know, a bit further down, you do know them, you do have their number, but it would seem weird to call, yeah. And if you did, they might not answer. You know what I mean? Down to yeah. like, you know, like, you, you know, you talk all the time, and I suppose <laughs> like that. Or, or whatever's on the other yeah. end of the spectrum, but I suppose you know, like, there's all those sort of stop-off points along the way from yeah. one to the other, aren't
0: there? And I think what's 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 cool about the film, the the central message is is, is about reaching out and yeah finding, ways, is, yeah, finding ways of doing it. And I, and in terms of mental health, one of the biggest things to anyone who has who is who is going through a tough time and and suffering with um, some form of mental illness or, um feels isolated and lonely is you shouldn't feel like that you shouldn't feel alone you shouldn't feel that you need to put yourself in a box and hide away somewhere you should be able to reach out to your friends or loved ones or family and have some trust in them to then be able to help you or try and at least listen to you without prejudice So there you go listeners, that was me talking to my friend uh, Christian um, about our little bits of our childhood and also uh, the things that we've experienced and felt and I guess to some extent how we dealt with them as well. We also talked about his film and if anyone wants to view that film it can be found on calmzone.net um, Also, if you are feeling under the weather and you're not feeling yourself and you may need a chat and you don't want to maybe get in touch with your GP or call 111 do call the Samaritans um, they are there to listen and they can make a world of difference too you if you're feeling in a very difficult place and you can't deal with your feelings necessarily uh, the number there is 116 123, and that's in the UK so do give them a call Failing that if you are feeling particularly distressed and a chat isn't necessarily going to be the thing that is going to help you and you need maybe some more either medium term, long term support because of the way you feel and and you need some, you know, you need more help. Then contact 111 and also do contact your GP um, and they will diagnose and and look at what you help you need and see if there's a, a pathway to get you back to a better place. So, listeners, that's that for uh, episode two. I will see you in episode three, where I will be speaking to another group of people. You guys, take care, look after yourself, stay safe, and during these um, yeah, lockdown times again, take care all. Bye bye.